All right, Bryson Taylor, thanks for being here, buddy. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so <laughs> the the reason I, I reached out to you originally was I was messing around on Facebook one night and I saw in the Junction City Post, which is, you know, a, a news website of yeah. sorts, like a news media thing. And I saw 17-year-old kid publishes five books, right? Five, yeah, five yeah. books. Yeah. And I thought, what the hell kind of ambition is that? <laughs> I was yeah. so thoroughly impressed. I messaged you right away and then you messaged me back. And then I said, well, we've got to, we've got to link up and we've got to talk about what's yeah, going on in your head. <laughs> a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> at 17 years old, I was not thinking about publishing a book, let alone five. If yeah, I yeah. dropped a book on the floor, I wasn't going to pick it up. So, <laughs> so where, where does your writing ambitions start? Is it, is it young age and you just always been into it? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, so I thought of a short story in kindergarten and then I wrote it and then obviously it was horrible and absolutely terrible and I would never read it to anybody, but, you know, thought of it in kindergarten and then I would just kind of, uh, kind of took a ride, not necessarily a writing break or a hiatus, but I just didn't really develop any stories until fifth grade after that. And then I started writing again, wrote a book, was like, it's not good enough. Sixth grade, wrote it again, not good enough. Seventh grade, eighth grade, wrote that same book again, not good enough. It's <laughs> graphic. <laughs> Um, so my ambition, yeah, it just comes from youth. It's like I was kind of born to do it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I guess the, the, the thing that is weird for me is going from, or not weird, but the thing that I have a hard time understanding is you, you write a story. Yeah. At what point does it become, oh, I wrote a book. So for, so like the way I define it, is if like, I'll tell people I'm writing a book or I'm working on a story. So if I have like, let's say a book idea, but it's very rough, it's like in the alpha beta phases, um, alpha being like very rough, beta being it's finished, but it needs editing. So if it's in like, say the alpha stages, then to me, that's kind of a story because I have a bunch of, like I have a lot of aspects of a plot, but I don't have them together yet. So I have fragmented stories everywhere but they're not together what puts them together is that's that's the book that like binds all those plots together and all those pieces together that's what makes it the book right that's interesting and so what kind of genre are the the five books that you've published so far so right now i've got them all right here so right now i've got like i've got dark hearts one dead light and dark hearts two rising demons those are like slasher like the first one's kind of a slasher horror. Second one's like slasher, more crime related. Like the first one was more like, oh my gosh, it's horrifying. And the second one is more like, now it's focused on actually, you know, the crime itself. And then um, the um, the reoccurring is like a mystery crime book. Um, uh, my Dark Tragedies book, One Haunted Past, is like, again, in that mystery, mystery crime realm, mystery crime category. The Broken Kingdom book, One The Scorching Desert, is like a war fiction dystopian book. I don't really um restrict myself on the genres that I make like if I think it's a good idea I'm gonna write it like hands down I'm gonna write it because if I don't it's gonna stay in my mind and it's gonna constantly torture me like you should write me right. so, yeah <laughs> so I just I just kind of write what comes to mind but that's that's the five I have out right now and the sixth one I hope to have out either next week or most likely two weeks from now it's like a paranormal like a paranormal mystery meets urban exploration kind of thing oh wow 
so that has that always been kind of what you gravitated towards kind of like these these um I, I don't want to say horror but you know slashers and crime driven yeah so I always like I I generally gravitate toward mystery books uh, right now the majority of the books I have out are mystery crime books I mean four out of the five but I usually gravitate toward the general mystery section not only mystery crime it's like uh, my war fiction dystopian book that has like a lot of mystery in it too so I usually incorporate mystery into every one of my books Okay, so that's kind of more so what you're going for is kind of a, a mystery theme. Yeah, as like the general overarching category, like uh, mysterious realistic fiction. Right, right. Yeah. What um, were there any authors that you looked up to growing up that you not so much like modeled after, but just yeah. kind of what you gravitated towards? So I didn't, I didn't read a whole lot when I was littler. Um, really? I do love, uh, yeah, I do love Shakespeare. And Sherlock Holmes. So like William Shakespeare and Sir Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle, uh, Mark Twain, those are like top three for me. In middle school, I caught um, Chris Colfer in The Land of Stories. And I read like his first book because I saw it at, like a scholastic book fair. And I read that one and I read the second one. And then I looked at when the third one releases and it was like eight months later. And I was like, eight months, are you kidding me? Like my mom could have another kid in eight months. <laughs> but then I had to wait like every other year after that. Because yeah. You look every year. And then the fourth one was supposed to be the last one. And, but then he made it like, I think, but then he made it go to like six books. And then when I finished the sixth book, I remember I was in one of my classes in eighth grade and I finished it like the last page. And it said like the end at the bottom. And I almost cried. And I, was like, no, I don't <laughs> want it to be done. I don't want it to be finished. Yeah. But people like that kind of um, like the classics and then Chris Colfer like throughout middle school reading though they're like a like uh not necessarily fantasy but like it's kind of like all the fairy tales come together in like a world of like war they fight each other kind of so i guess you could say kind of fantasy related right, but it, right. It, it's difficult to describe it now that i think of it because <laughs> it, was, it was still like otherworldly but yeah i say people like that yeah what about um what about rl stein or anything like that Okay, R.L. Stein. I that's a Goosebumps. Correct. Um, yeah. So I did read some Goosebumps, and uh, I don't know. I don't know when it was. I want to say it was late elementary school, early middle school. I yeah. did. I did read a lot of R.L. Stein, but I kind of like I read R.L. Stein at the same time I made. I read like Dave Pilkey in like the Captain Underpants series. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like um, people like that. I didn't read as much. But still, like, I would say I look, I would, I would have looked up to them when I was littler. I mean, every person I would see, like, every name I would see on a book, I'd be like, I want my name to be on a book. Like, right. <laughs> stuff like that. I also read, like, the, the vast majority of the Magic, Magic Treehouse books. I'm not like, familiar. Is, it, is that a newer? Uh, I'm not exactly sure when, when those first books came out. I'm not sure how often they came out. But I don't even remember the names. But um of the characters or the art author or the authors but they had they were like these two kids and they had a tree house in their backyard and it was like a magic tree house they would take them to like a point in history or a point in the future or like a different part of the world in the present it would tell the story of that adventure they were like real short books i think they're each maybe like 120 pages or less oh that's my kind of book <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So I don't know. I just saw earlier today. I don't know if you saw, but today's R.L. Stein's birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah. And I think he's like north of 300 years old at this point. <laughs> but but that, that was always kind of the the thing when I was younger was the R.L. Stein goosebumps, the Captain Underpants yeah. and yeah. Hank the Cow Dog and kind of all of these all of these short, you know, quote unquote, chapter books that, you yeah. know, as you're kind of coming into your own, you're, you're getting away from the picture books and you're like, oh, I'm grown now. Yeah, I'm goosebumps, yeah. you know, and that's kind of how the magic tree house was. It, it reminds me of, um, of the Captain Underpants books and it'll be like chapter 23, a very short ending and then chapter 24 and even shorter ending. And then chapter 25, <laughs> like, you remember how it would be like literally five word chapters or four word chapters? Yeah. I would always look forward to those chapters because in the beginning of the day, I would be like, okay, I want to read three chapters today. And then I'd reach those chapters and I would say, yes, read them. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was nine words. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished. Exactly. <laughs> That's what, uh, um, I was doing a, a thing for, um, another podcast with, um, you know, who Kevin Pollack is. I uh, doesn't recall. A old actor. He's been in like a hundred movies, <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> but he, uh, he was doing a thing where he was asking, like, it was a trivia question. I just called in and like made some things up and just kind of off the top of my head. And he just liked my answers. So he sent me an autographed copy of his book. And it was kind of the same thing where it's a, it's, it's a real thick book, but the chapters are like one or two pages and <laughs> yeah. it works perfectly for my attention span. Cause I can, I can sit down and I feel like I'm accomplishing so much more. It's yeah, like, because, yeah. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of not eating a pizza, but eating pizza rolls. You can get more satisfaction out of eating yeah. <laughs> a lot more <laughs> yeah. just in smaller bites. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. So with kind of the direction that like goosebumps and stuff like that took with going from books and transitioning into movies and TV series and things like that. Do you have any thoughts of maybe turning some of these books into uh, like a movie or a TV series type of thing? Um, so I want to start like, again, I look up to like William Shakespeare a lot. So I want to start playwriting soon. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. The, except without all the medieval costumes or may, maybe I'll throw those in, who knows? Yeah. Um, I don't even know yet, but I want to start like uh, screenwriting or uh, playwriting, maybe a little screenwriting. I'm not sure. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, when I released Dark Arts One Dead Light for that school project, um, one of the one of the people who were with me in the project, they told me, one of the teachers, they said I should write plays because that was an audio video technology class. And he told me, like, you should write plays and you should write scripts and send them off to people. And then my mom and my dad, they were like, yeah, you should totally do that. And then when I released the reoccurring in June of 2021, I explained the synopsis or like the plot to somebody. And he was like, he told me, you should, you should make that into like a manga or an anime. That'd be a really cool anime. And okay. then, yeah, so like, I kind of see what all of them mean. I don't know yet if I would turn any of them, like any of the ones I have out now and in, into movies or television shows. Um, but right now I want to start writing stuff that is more prone to be turned into that kind of material. So like yeah. when I was writing all these books, I wrote them. When I was writing them, I was thinking, okay, it's probably be an ebook, um, paperback. And then once I can release hardcovers, which this is in the past, I've already released hardcovers now, I can go through for hardcovers. And then in early 2022, when I start releasing audiobooks, hopefully I can uh, push them into audiobooks as well. But then I didn't really write them with the like in mind of, oh, I should also make it kind of easy to turn into a show or a movie. Um, right. 
but maybe sometime in the future, I would think more clearly about that for like these originals. Um, but definitely looking in the future toward uh, playwriting, screenwriting, script writing in general, I think. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be super interesting to, you know, yeah. turn something into, you know, um, it'd be really weird, especially with having the ambition that you have 17 years old, published five books, and then someday like it turn into, you know, a, a stage performance of some sort, like it, yeah. that would just be a, a, a really strange thing to go from. And cause you said one of the books was for a class project, correct? Yeah. So dark hearts, like I never thought of really publishing any of my books until I was 18 years old. And then dark hearts, one dead light was for a project. It was for all, sorry, the dogs kind of leave the room. No, it was fine. my sophomore year of high school and uh, sophomore year of high school. We had to do a project where we did some, and they're back. <laughs> and we, so we, we had to do something like that related to our personal lives. And I chose publishing a book that I never thought I would publish. Um, but it, it's, it, there's been a lot of evolutionary thoughts that have gone through my head, going from um, being accepted from, for publishing for a book I made in uh, my eighth grade year in May of 2021, May 31, 2020, 2018, sorry. I was accepted for publishing through a, a publishing company. Um, but having previously thought like, yeah, I just write books, just to write books. They're not going to go anywhere. And then now from there to being like, oh, well, you know, I'll never see my name on a book. And then releasing my first ebook and then being like, yeah, well, I mean, they'll never be printed. And then now they're printed. Yeah, well, I never had hardcovers and now they're hardcovers. So, <laughs> I, at this point, I should say like, yeah, I'm never going to, you know, win the lottery or anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so walk me through what it means to get a book published. Cause it, it seems like publishing is kind of like an umbrella term, but I think that there's a lot more that comes underneath that umbrella that a lot of yeah. people don't understand like what that entails entirely. Yeah. So I saw this post on one of the Facebook author groups that I'm in and it showed like an iceberg and at the, it was a real long iceberg and at the very top of the iceberg it, iceberg, it said book. And then under all the water, it said like 25 years of intense editing and then like <laughs> 40,000 words and then many cups of coffee and like yeah. many years shed and like just just all the like triumphs and, and glories and like wars that the, the writer went through to publish the book. Um, for me, it's kind of the same thing. So for, for a book, like to me, for a book to be published, it just means like right now, if I had just finished a book, I save it on my computer. It's completely typed. It's completely edited. It's ready for publishing, but it's not published yet. It's still unpublished, but it's still complete or finished or like ready to, ready to be published. For me, it's not until I put it out somewhere to where it is published. Um, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to be like a print book to be published. Like you can publish it as an ebook or as an audiobook. but there is a lot of, like a lot of, uh, you think of the, you think of the thought and then you write the book, you do all the editing. It, I, go, I have like a specific list of stages that I personally go through that I think help me to publish a good book. Um, yeah, it definitely like, it's one of those terms that people will have a lot of different definitions for depending on their own experiences. Right, are you doing the editing or do they kind of, you know, put their two cents in and like, hey, can we, you know, switch this up a little bit? How involved do yeah. they get? Um, so going through Amazon, it's a self-publishing area. So I'm self-published. So I do like, I don't 
hire anybody else to do anything for me or I don't like I, I kind of do everything since I'm self-published so I'll, I'll write my book I'll edit my book at least twice or three times I'll make my own artwork like my own covers um, except for one which my friend made Terry Exantis he made the artwork for the reoccurring um, so I'll make the artworks I'll edit it I'll write it I'll think of the idea I'll promote it sometimes other people will like like sometimes people who know me will be like oh my gosh my friend just published a book <laughs> and like everywhere. or like people be like hey i know this person he just published a book and then like they'll put it somewhere else um but right now i i kind of do i kind of do all of it be out, outside of the realm of like other people being like hey you know my friend he writes books yeah i'm sure that helps kind of um get some traction just some good word of mouth oh, yeah, yeah, with some good definitely. friends and everything yeah so how do you balance emotion when it comes to writing and getting reviews and feedback and stuff like that yeah. you don't Sorry. have to bark at me <laughs> <laughs> I realize it's gonna be such a touchy question <laughs> yeah. that uh, the tornado alarm just sounded outside like one of their tests that they do every fridays at this time oh uh, yeah yeah sorry about that no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, no, with the emotion, I could only imagine that it would be a situation where you kind of put your, your all into a project and, yeah. and you create the story, you create the characters, you create the overarching theme and, and you do all the editing and you do all these things. And then somebody gives a bad reaction to it. Is it hard to balance that emotion? Um, it's not. So I, I have like two ways that I can explain my emotions, like when writing the book or like when, because like I'm thinking of every part of the book when I'm like at every stage. So at the right when I start typing it, I'm thinking of it when it's published. When I publish it, I'm thinking about when I didn't even have the idea for that book. It's like it's never ending. It's like an incessant cycle. It never ends. Um, so when I'll be working on the book or like any time whatsoever, like I'd say 98% caffeine and <laughs> about 2% actual motion kind of goes in there. Um, I implement my own emotion. Like if I'm having a rough day, I'll like kill someone like straight up. <laughs> but, but one time in eighth grade, in eighth grade, I was working on a book and this was in 2017 and it was actually about a pandemic. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So you started this. <laughs> it was a tiny one. No, I'm kidding. It, was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a pneumonia type illness. It was like a, um, a blood infested brain prion. It's kind of difficult to explain outside of that a little bit. Kind of like but, a, like a cannibalism prion that you would get not necessarily a cannibalism prion it was just um it was just a prion that existed in the blood that would go straight to your brain and not necessarily take you over but it would it would immediately kill you uh, or not immediately but it was very swift death and painful death but then after you would die like that's when you would kind of be taken to like the leader of everybody and then they would put some like something called the dark blood inside of you or would turn your blood dark and then now you're infected and now you're like turned. So then you would then be like, not necessarily revived like a zombie, but you would still be your original self, but you would like every good thought that you once had would be evil. Oh. Yeah. Or like, or there's a reversal where it's evil to good, but I didn't get that far in the series yet. Right, like, right. When I was running it. But one time I was having a real, I had a real bad day at school. And when I got home and I was working on the book, I, so the, the protagonists, and the army were about to like raid this compound that were known to have this disease. And um, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna be a jerk today because I'm not in a good mood at all. 
And I introduced a character named Bruce and Chris was the protagonist. I introduced a main character named Bruce and him and Chris went to the seat, like went to the roof and they were trying to like provide sniper support. And then I legitimately had this character named Bruce like shot in the forehead, completely die. Like just straight up, as soon as they reach the roof, just die. Yeah. And because they didn't know there was a sniper on the other side. That's how you know I'm having a bad day. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so the writings kind of mirror how you're, how you're feeling for that day. Yeah. A little, a little bit some, within reason. I don't want to make it like too disorganized because I have mood swings like a pregnant woman. So I don't want to make it too disorganized <laughs> like that. Um, but uh, stuff like that. When, when somebody leaves a bad review, I don't mind it per se, because I always like people to be extremely honest with me, whether it's brutal or not brutal. Yeah. I would rather somebody tell me, like, I would rather work on a book for six months and somebody tell me this book sucked. I didn't like it at all. Rather than work on that book for six months and somebody tell me, yeah, this is a great book. And then I publish it and it gets horrible reviews and terrible reviews. And then people think it's like a disgrace to my name. Right, so I, I'd right. rather get the brutal feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, negative feedback is interesting because so many people want positive feedback, but there's a lot of positive feedback that comes from just confirmation bias or, you know, yeah. these are, you know, friends of yours or family of yours, and they want to be supportive and all that. But negative feedback is interesting because it shows that a person was actually interested and just kind of dove deep into whatever project you were working on yeah. enough to develop negative feelings on it. Cause Inevitably, yeah. you, you know, these, these people are going to start from a positive point of view. Most people unless they're just, you know, just sick in the head, but most people yeah. start things with, from a positive point of view. And then if it slowly turns negative, they were actually invested in whatever um, art you were creating enough to say, Hey, I did not like this, you know? Yeah. So, and the way I think about it too, is when, when people see negative feedback, like in the, in the word, it, you know, in the phrase, it says negative feedback, but I think that's more of a connotary def, like a connotary of it. I think it's more like, I know how to explain the word, but I think people connotarily see it as negative feedback instead of constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but sometimes there are instances where instead of providing constructive criticism, people can sometimes be jerks about it and just be like, yeah, the whole thing sucked. There was nothing good about it when there were good things about it. So it kind of depends on like how, how each person, the receiver and the giver see it, it kind of, it kind of depends on how they each see it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could have something like, um, game of Thrones where, you know, everybody loved everything about the show until the last few episodes. And now yeah. they just have like this bad taste in their mouth about the show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so because people get so far invested and in they have it, a predetermined idea of how they want to see that world end or that storyline end. And yeah. then if it doesn't end the way that they saw it, they're like, oh man, screw this. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <know>? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so how many, how many projects do you have going at a, any given moment? So at any given moment, I try to have at least four to five because uh, like in the, in the realm of books uh, or ideas, because if I get writer's block with one and I just can't possibly think of another way to continue that one book for that period of time, uh, I like being able to move on to the other book and just say, okay, I'll take you know maybe three days, four days, five days to, to think about that one. I'll stare off into space when I'm in class or I'll stare off the space when I'm working and then somebody will come to my register and be like, hey, you open. And then, <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll take some time to think about it and then I'll get back to it. Um, not only that, but I think it also enhances my productivity because 
if I'll like, I'll sit down at my, at my desk and I'll try typing in my books. I can type for a decent while, especially if I've got some good thought flow or some good thought processes. Um, but if I'm typing like the same ideas over and over again for let's say like five hours, my writing quality quality or my typing quality begins to drop yeah. because I'm kind of, I'm not necessarily repeating myself, but I'm kind of getting into that. Like it, there's a, there's a finite difference between I'm in the flow of whatever this is to I'm too much in the flow of whatever this is to the point where I'm repeating myself. Right. And so at that point, I like being able to say, okay, I've done enough work in this book today. I think that's evident for now. I'll go ahead and move on to a next one. So I, so I can still get some work in just in another book. Right. Do you ever, do you ever think of um, a twist or turn that you could like can make within a book and then it doesn't so much work in that storyline. And then you unplug it from that storyline and plug it into a different project that you're working on. Um, if I had one word to describe that, I would say absolutely <laughs> all, all the time, all the time. So I'll be writing one book and I'll think of a, a plot twist for a completely different book, not even in the same genre or category. And then I'll say, yeah, I'm putting on this one. Um, <laughs> or just recently when I was typing my dark tragedies book one haunted past, I won't, I won't say what the plot twist is because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But I was typing that book and I just finished a chapter and then like all of a sudden I just go, Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> the way I ended the chapter, it was a complete loophole, a, a huge loophole to yeah. allow something else to happen. Now, when I, when I first developed the series, I just, I said, okay, there are going to be two books. Just like for Dark Hearts, I said, there'll be six books. And I've kind of put out all the plots for all the books. For The Broken Kingdom, there'll be three books. The Reoccurring, it'll be a standalone. There'll be one book. For um, My Dark Tragedies, there'll be two books. And then after that, from that day on, like I looked up to the sky and I said, yep, there's a third one coming. Like this will, <laughs> there, will be, there will be three books in this series now because the loophole at the end of that chapter will now allow a third, a third book in this yeah. series. So I'll think of plot twists like that all the time. And sometimes I'll surprise myself with the plot twists and I'll, I'll like, I won't necessarily forget that I put it in, but sometimes I'll be editing the book and I'll be thinking, like, I'll, I'll read the plot twist and I'll be like, I'll, like, I'll say, oh, damn, I didn't see that coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel, you know, a lot of writers and just um, professionals within their, their craft speak about, you know, flow state and all that. Do you experience a flow state to where you can just kind of zone out and you could just go for a couple hours and not even, um, not even think about what you're doing. You're just kind of in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, all the time. Um, sometimes if I'm, so I like to say I, for editing, I like to edit another page about one page for every two minutes for typing about one page for every eight to 12 minutes. So when my, when it's in those ranges, I'm, I'm good to go. Like I'm just going for it. Now, usually as you get, you might be able to tell the house is usually very loud. Um, I, I move out in two months. So, I mean, I'm, thank God, uh, I'll be able to focus a lot better. So Whenever, whenever it's nice and peaceful and quiet, which is very rare, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll like, I'll be in that zone. And I always time myself when I write so I can take these statistics down of here's how fast my speed was, you know, here's how many words I was typing per minute, you know, stuff like that. So I, sometimes I'll, I'll just get to typing. I'll start the timer and I'll be like, okay, it's midnight. I'm going to type from until now until whenever. And I'll look at the time at 6am and be like, oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Yeah. Are you, are you more, to, more of like a night owl when it comes to, to writing and everything? 
So writing, yes, I'm definitely more of a night owl than I am like a daytime writer. I can still make good quality during both times. I can still type the kind of the same speed both times, but I, I think I come up with a lot better things at night, especially, but, but the, the fallacy behind that is when I'm writing a horror book or like a supernatural paranormal book, I'll like, I'll mention a ghost and then I'll be like, I'll look around my room and be like, okay, is, it, is there anybody here? <laughs> yeah. I, like the thing I just described in my book in vivid detail, I'll like look around and say, that's you in the corner, isn't it? I knew it was you. And then I'll just be like, I'll just psych myself out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Get in your own head, creep yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> you, you're manifesting the, these uh, spiritual beings. Yeah. Like uh, some, sometimes uh, like my little brother, I shared him with him. I remember one time I was writing a scene in one of my books. And my whiteboard is right next to him. And my whiteboard is where I have a lot of information on it. So I looked at my whiteboard to see what else was on my to-do list today. And I see him, he's staring directly at me. And I was like, oh. wait, you were supposed to be asleep. What are you doing? And it, like it terrified me because I, I look him straight, like sometimes he'll wake up. I look him straight in the eyes and I like, I, we have a staring contest. And he just closes his eyes and go back to sleep. Oh and yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. And I'm just here thinking, were his eyes slightly black? <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stop typing in this book for, for now. <laughs> so if you have, you know, four or five projects going on at any given moment, do you ever find um, yourself kind of running kind of the same idea throughout several different projects? And then you kind of got to back yourself off of, you know, being obsessed with this idea that you're just plugging it into too many projects. Yeah. It, because I, I would find that interesting because, you know, I, I'll get obsessive about something and I'll, I'll plug an idea into several different things that I have going on. And then I'm like, oh, people are going to know about this, but nobody's ever going to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of the same way that'll happen to me occasionally. It doesn't happen too often just because I can have every thought about one like single book that I've ever had completely focused on that plot. And within two seconds, I can switch it all over to another book. Um, but sometimes you know, I'll have that crossover. Sometimes I'll do the crossover intentionally. I actually do crossovers a lot intentionally. Oh, and just nice. not a lot of people notice it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's kind of the, why it makes it so beautiful because not a lot of people notice it. Um, but sometimes it'll happen to where it gets repetitive or redundant or I didn't mean to do it. Sometimes I'll go back and edit it a little bit. Sometimes I'll kind of, instead of going back to edit it because some good things happened in that time, I don't want to ruin it. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll kind of skew the plot back, not back in time, but back to where it was, how I was originally telling it. Because I integrate a part of my personality and most, I'd say all of my characters have a part of my personality. Okay. So when something like that happens, uh, it's kind of like, I'm just integrating more of my personality into that character. And I can kind of have it come back a little bit in lesson in volume to be not necessarily more insignificant, but just a little lesser. Right, right. What about um, what about things that I mean? You're wearing a Dunder Mifflin hoodie right now. Is yeah, yeah. there is there anything within um, TV shows that you watch, video games that you play, anything like that that'll give you um, ideas or ambition to kind of put your own twist on it and throw it into a project? Yeah. So. Um, usually a lot of things around me affect how my ideas are created. One time I had a dream and I, I won't say because now it's a book idea. One, I, I had a dream one time about like this disoriented family and like one of them murders somebody else. And then, and now they got to hide it all. And then this one's in a gang and stuff like that. And I woke up and immediately wrote it down. Um, because I was like, yeah, I'm taking that one. Some of my short stories in the past have been 
of uh, like of dreams that I had or nightmares that I've had. That's that's actually that's really rare. I usually don't get book ideas from dreams or nightmares. I'll usually get things from like things around me like that. That pandemic idea that I got, you know, you know, you, you know like manhunt, right? Like a right. hide and seek game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was playing that with some of my friends. And uh, this was eighth grade. This is 2017. which seems like a long time ago. And we were all playing and there's this fence at the end of the neighborhood and we were all running toward that fence. And there were two teams, you know, the manhunters and the runners. And I would like, there's a little hill that crests like just like that. And like just a little bit out of like a kind of a smooth angle. And one of my teammates were coming up it. And I said, no, run, run the other way. They're all dead. They're all dead. And then like at that moment, it clicked in me like, whoa, now I have this new book idea because it just, it put that vision in my head of like, you know, running from a bunch of people who were infected with something. And then it kind of evolved from there over the next few days. So um, in fifth grade, the book that I wrote then was about like a clone machine, but it was about like a war, like with clones. I got that from, I think a Nickelodeon movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, so a, a lot of things will, impact the way I do things sometimes I'll see something in the world or on the news or like just whenever one day and then that same day I'll incorporate it in my book like as a very small like one two sentence illusion that like 0.0015 percent of people will catch <laughs> right yeah yeah a little little uh, easter egg implanted in there yeah definitely all the time every one of my books just dozens and dozens of easter eggs I'm not even kidding that's amazing that that would actually work really well as far as like how you were talking with crossovers and stuff like that you know yeah you're you're gonna get some people out there that are gonna be reading your your books and everything and be so far invested they're gonna pick up on those easter eggs and stuff yeah. much like people do with you know marvel movies and stuff like that and the comic books and oh in this issue yeah. of blah 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 they get this <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah and they start connecting those dots that's that's actually really interesting what about as far as because you said you work you're in yeah. school. Yeah. You have published five books. Okay. So I work off of 24 hours in a day. Yeah. You seem to be working off about 52 to 54 hours <laughs> in a day. <laughs> how, how do you create that balance or is there balance? Um, so I will say I've, I've really tried to fight a lot to make it balanced. Like I've really tried to make it all balanced, but there's just, there's so much about it. That's just so unbalanced and so chaotic. And that's some of the beauty in writing too, is right now I have only one class to go to and I work two jobs. So come January 14, that's when I graduate high school. So I won't have that one class anymore. And I'll just be able to, you know, work at my two jobs and I, I write books, you know, of course. So it's like, it'll, it'll be middle of the night and I won't be able to sleep. I'll do more writing. So I will say that in, I want to say, April, May, and June 2021, if you look at my transactions on my debit card, it was uh, Monster Energy Drink, Red Bull Energy Drink, Brain <laughs> right. Energy Drink, Full Throttle Energy Drink, yeah. just, just running off of caffeine because coffee doesn't really work, just running off of um, you know Diet Coke because it has high caffeine content, Mountain Dew because it has high caffeine, uh, caffeine content, yeah. energy drinks. So um, sometimes... That's when sometimes I'll, I'll repeat the same word over and over again, or I'll, or I'll slur my speech because I don't know what I'm saying because I got two hours <laughs> of sleep. Yeah. yeah. yeah sometimes like that, sometimes I'll, I'll stand up and it'll be like midnight and I'll stand up and I'll think, yeah, I want to go do that thing. 
just collapse on the floor right there. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you so just got like this mental overload. Yeah, definitely all the time. That's amazing. What about um, grades in school? Do you find it, do you find it pretty easy to keep up on everything? Uh, yeah. Especially since I only have that one class, I find it relatively easy to keep up on things just because I, especially um, because COVID-19 happened, like a lot of things are online now anyway. Right. And so I can just check online if I, instead of emailing the teacher and then waiting for a response, I can just say, oh, well, maybe it's online. And then it turns out it is online. Uh, once I'm out of that one class, it'll be a lot easier with writing books, of course, because it is only one class. It is only 85 minutes a day, but it's still, it kind of like waking up at 7 a.m. and then, you know, doing all the class, the one class stuff. It'd be a lot easier if I could wake up and just, streamline my books until I have to go to work it'd be a lot easier to only have to be in that mindset but no I don't I don't find it that difficult to keep up with things at, yeah. the, at the school with you being on the computer so much you know writing and everything was was the pandemic um that, I don't want to say the wrong thing here but like a dream scenario <laughs> to where you could just um, like you didn't have to leave the room you could just switch yeah. over and take a class you know, yeah, so I will say um, the only part of my schooling career that was uh, impacted by COVID-19 to the point where school had to go remote, I'd say my sophomore year, it was April, the, like the end of April 2020 to May, June 2020, and then December of 2020. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a dream scenario, but it has helped me out quite a bit. And I, I don't like saying that because that's like, oh, people die from it, they get sick. I'm not saying I'm benefiting from it. It's, right, just, yeah. it's just worked into my schedule, maybe more than not having a pandemic would have. So for instance, uh, having the pandemic, having COVID-19 allowed me to go full-time at my job, my sophomore year of high school, because all the schools shut down. So, you know, what else am I going to do? Yeah. It allowed me to go full-time then. And then even when school started back up again, they were like, yeah, but we don't want you to be gone. Come back. <laughs> so I was still kind of full-time. Um, plus, it was like a volunteer thing anyway, but it, because it was at one of the commissaries on base in uh, Lewis. So it was allowed. Um, that was my sophomore year of high school. And then especially like December 2020, I didn't do a whole lot of book writing because I had a whole lot of other things going on, like going to see my dad for Christmas and, you know, trying to fi uh, finish up the semester because that's back when I had five classes. But I was still doing a decent amount of writing. But having it be on on Zoom I would just be typing away, typing away, typing away. And then teacher would be like, okay, Bryson, can you answer that question? I switch over real fast. I'm like, what question? You read, <laughs> read the question. I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but e even, even in class, like I'll just be typing away on the computer, typing away, typing away. And then the teacher will say, okay, so everyone's going to get up and we're all going to go do the same. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have to get up. So I have to, I have to complete this out real quick. And oh, yeah. to complete, the teacher will be like, Bryson, we're having a fire. I'll be like, one second. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand i gotta do yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't understand if i don't finish this thought now it's never gonna come back teachers are so, disrespectful in that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about um what about sports and and friendships and stuff like that do you do you have any um sports that you're into or anything like that that you do alongside of you know writing and working two jobs and having an insane schedule <laughs> <laughs> so yeah my schedule is about as you said about 55 hours per day i don't know how i do it anyway um, or either. So I, I don't really enjoy sports just recently. I've gotten more into baseball. I was kind of into baseball in my middle school years. Now I absolutely utterly do not play it, 
because I do not have the athleticism for that. And I can barely even run. I go up the stairs, I'm out of breath. So I mean, absolutely not. <laughs> but I do enjoy baseball. Like it's kind of more of a logical sport, I think. So I do enjoy baseball. Um, friendships, I don't really uh, talk to people much at the school just because especially just to have that one class. I'm just thinking like, I just want to get out of here and work on my books. Or right. like, I'll, I'll be there working on my books and I'll be thinking, I just want to work on my books. Because I'm so obsessed with it. If people yeah. come talk to me, I'll be like, you want to come read my book? You know, so like, <laughs> um, but you know, um, so it, uh, friendships I mainly get from coworkers at my jobs because I'm more, I'm more focused, you know, working then than I kind of am at school. I think plus at school it's early in the morning and I just think I'm waiting for this Red Bull to kick in. So, I mean, if at any point I jump out of this chair and like scrape the, all the walls, just this, the Red Bull kicking in. It, it gets <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't find it difficult to balance those things per se. Um, sometimes my friends will come up to me and they'll ask me, am I this character? And, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and I'll just have to be like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or sometimes I'll be like, no, you're not that character. And I'll walk away and be like, he's on to me. And then <laughs> I have to kill him in the next book now if he doesn't find out. Right. Um, you know, you stuff make- like that. You ever make your mom a villain in any of the books? I cannot disclose that information. <laughs> <laughs> your mom pisses um, you off, like, "Hey, Bryson, go do the dishes." We're like, "Guess who's getting killed off in this book?" <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, it, it's like uh, anybody. I'll take aspects from anybody um, to implement to any one of my books. But yeah, definitely, I'll have those, I'll have those days where I'll be like, "You want to take away my phone? Fine, we'll see who wins." And then. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm the puppet master. And then, you know, I'll just, all of a sudden, new book idea. And I'll be like, mom, you want to read my new book? It's about this mother of six children gets murdered in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, nothing, uh, nothing. It's not <laughs> yeah, about you. Oh, you know, nothing, it's not out yet. Yeah, it's going to be a movie. It's going to be a, a true crime. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a true story, eventually. <laughs> yeah, but you have to say eventually under your breath. It's going to be a true story, eventually. <laughs> so you said you have five siblings if, if i counted correctly yeah yeah good lord man yeah it's, it's never quiet it just yeah it seems like you just like are surrounded by tornadoes that's probably where that tornado siren was going off earlier. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just like you got a bunch of tasmanian devils just whipping around you all the time <laughs> not to mention like the ideas just circling around inside your head yeah that, that's why if one of my siblings makes me mad, I'll just be like, it chokes on you, you're dead now. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember one time in Oklahoma, when I lived in Oklahoma, we got a tornado and it gave our neighbors a new trampoline. So I mean, good for them. Oh, I nice. hope they kept it. Yeah, I hope they kept it after all this time, to be honest. <laughs> what, what part of uh, Oklahoma? Oklahoma is a pretty nice place. As, yeah. as long as you hit like the major cities, if you wander off into weird territories, it gets real <laughs> weird down there. Yeah, just I feel like I feel like it's like that just anywhere in general. Like one time I was driving my brother to Missouri and then I was gonna drive to Illinois to go see my dad. And I stopped at a, a Walmart in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, never been there, like never been there before, besides just driving through the state, you know, moving. And I like I park at the Walmart because I need to buy some food and some water or some drinks because I'm gonna be gone for a couple of days. I'm gonna be at the hotel for a couple of days. And like these people were screaming at each other in the parking lot right, right off the bat when I get out of my car. And I'm just here thinking. I better get out of here quickly. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to go down here, but there are already people screaming at each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it's like that kind of everywhere. 
Yeah. In St. Louis, you don't stop to buy food and drink. You stop to buy guns and ammunition because you have to protect <laughs> yourself as you're driving through. Yeah. See, I, I did not know that when I, when I first like stopped there, I go to the Walmart and I'm not even kidding. I walked out with a thing of like one single pack of bagels and two blue Gatorades because <laughs> I just like, I walked to the, the desserts aisle where like the hostess stuff is and the little Debbie stuff is. And I look at the breads and I'm thinking, okay, maybe like maybe some sandwiches. And I hear more people screaming at show. And I was like, grab the bagels, grab Gatorade. We're getting the hell out of here. Yeah. Get <laughs> carbs, get sugar. We're rolling out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Autobots roll out. We're not staying here much longer. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm about to get like my Beyblade and just get the arena and just, you know, launch it in there. <laughs> you know, the early 2000s. Like I'm not staying here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. St. Louis is a weird place. A, oh, yeah. a lot of, yeah. a lot of the country, you know, things are really weird right now especially with um you see that kid in um man where was it texas the the kid that was involved in that fight and shot like a teacher and a student like injured four people did you see this it was just a couple days ago uh, i don't think i saw i did see t- i did i don't i didn't see that but i did see today i don't remember where it was but i think this 15 year old girl was like shot dead for uh, road rage good lord yeah i think i i think i i think i saw that today but i don't i didn't see was that like a school shooting you're talking about yeah, yeah. I, I want to say it was in Texas. I'm fairly certain it was Texas. But yeah, it, it was like two days ago. Hell, it may have even been yesterday. But he was, um, yeah, he was he was getting bullied, he said. And there was like okay. a some cell phone uh, footage that came out of some kid, like he was involved in a fight. And then at some point he pulled a gun and started shooting. And he shot like a teacher. Yeah, I think he shot the student or whatever. But now today he's out on bail. And everybody's, you know, up in arms. And I, I don't yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on in the world at this point yeah so i don't want to get like too deep into the justice like i mean I'm, I'm fine with it but if it'll um like i don't want it to take the whole time is what i mean i'm completely fine talking about it the uh like for me the just a lot of things about the justice system to me nowadays are kind of backwards of just a lot of it um like i remember way back when uh, gosh i don't remember the year i think i was in early elementary school we were attending this school called Armanjar. I think it was in Washington. I think that's how you pronounce it. I believe it was in Washington State. And during the summer, my mom showed us a news a news article that this kid brought his gun to elementary school. This kid brought his gun there to like shoot somebody, and he ended up like backing out. He wasn't going to shoot somebody, but then in his cafeteria, when he went to go put his backpack down, um, the gun was irritated. Like something hit the trigger, uh, the trigger, and it shot some like it shot a bullet and it hit this a young other elementary school girl in the chest. And I, I, yeah, I think she survived from it, though. I think she survived. But even after that, like, uh, I think after two weeks, he was released from, from holding. And I understand that, you know, younger ages, I understand that. I know there are rules about prosecuting minors and whatnot. But if, you know, if you have a kid who shoots somebody else or who, who kills somebody else or something like that, I don't think it should just be an excuse of, they're only 16 years old. Come on. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think it should be like that because even, even when I was, you know, even when I was in elementary school, I knew right from wrong and I wasn't going to shoot anybody or, you know, kill anybody. I, I saved that for my books personally. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't going to do any of that. And so even then you got to know right from wrong. And, you, you know, especially when you get in those, those teenage years, you, you should definitely be able to figure out like, maybe I shouldn't shoot that person. You should definitely be able to make that thought for yourself. So for the justice system to say, oh, well, they're only 13 years old, they're only 14 years old. 
like I, I find that like blasphemy. Like they can still, they still clearly know what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what would go on in somebody's head or like, oh, this is, this is the right thing that I should do. I should bring yeah. a gun to school and, and, you know, shoot this person. Like at what point does that like register as okay in your head? And then yeah. you've got a team of people behind you like, oh yeah, he's young enough. Like he doesn't know. Like, yeah. Hell he doesn't. Yeah. Because then it's, it, um, A, it's going to get worse. And, and B, I remember um, I was having a conversation with my grandpa and my, my grandma about that a, a while ago, because, you know, my grandpa was superintendent for 41 years. And before that, he was a sheriff, a deputy sheriff. Oh, wow. Um, for Walla Walla Police County. And so, yeah, he said his sheriff tried to kill him all the time. Um, but like inadvertently, like he would always be like, okay, the, the heist is happening here. The people, the, the team of heists are going to come through the front doors. Mark, you got the front doors. Everyone else, we're flanking from the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, even then, like we had a debate. We were thinking, because I think my grandma said something about like, they've done studies on like, um, sociopaths and psychopaths and they actually see that their brains are set up differently than other people's brains are and you know that for, for me that's crazy and I, I totally believe that because you know different thought processes but it's still like that that that's why I think you have the insanity plea because some people I do genuinely believe like they have no control over what they do you know it's some sort of disability they can't control it right but you, you have a lot of people nowadays that pull some wicked stuff or they, you know, kill somebody or murder somebody. They're like, oh, well, I don't have control over it. When in reality they do. And they're just trying to play their cards just right to get that insanity plea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost became like a, like a joke. You know, if you say, I'll call the cops on you, like just joking with friends or like, I'll just, I'll just, you know, plead in, in, insane. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. but that's, that's really kind of what it's become within the, the justice system is, is somebody will go out and, you know, do some wild stuff and then just like, oh, wait, but I'm crazy because my mom didn't hug me enough. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, maybe, yeah, so, but maybe not. Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, the funny thing is, is I feel like in my lifetime, I know it's, you know, not too much, but in my lifetime, I think I think I've seen it feels like a lot, though. Uh, I think I've seen like a lot of the change happen. Uh, my mom, whenever we'd be driving, she used to like, if she got upset at somebody, like they cut her off. She used to flip them off hardcore, like straight up middle finger. Yeah. And one day she just stopped doing that and she wouldn't even honk. And we go, mom, why did you stop? And she goes, I'm scared I'm going to get shot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'll probably get shot. Like e even now, like my horn on my car, um, my it doesn't work unless my steering wheel is tilted. So I make a joke where because there's a wiring issue in there. I make a joke, like I have the paddle shifters and the downshifter doesn't work, but the upshifter works. Yeah. They're like if I put it in manual with the paddle shifters from automatic and I, I make a joke, I'm like, man, if, if I'm ever going, you know, 120 miles per hour down the interstate and someone tries cutting me off, all I have to do is swerve my car to the left, honk, swerve it back to the right and I'm good to go. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like every time somebody honks, I'm like, there's a gun. And then yeah. you know, I, get, I get nervous real quick about like that person just honked at that person. I'm going to get shot. Like I didn't even do anything and I'm going to get shot. Right, exactly. Well, there there was just um, a few days ago here in in Wichita, there was a lady that had a shootout with the cops at a Whole Foods. A, a Whole Foods. Yeah, at a Whole Foods. Who now? How hungry <laughs> do you have to be? Like this, <laughs> this poor lady was probably like on some weird like water only diet for the past two months, and she's like, yeah, you know what? I've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And there's a, like, what kind of world do we live in to where you're not even safe at Whole Foods anymore? <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah like even somebody at dylan's the other day i was taking out a customer and you know there's angle parking at dylan's i don't know if it's like that everywhere but at least yeah, i think it is um, but there's angle parking here at dylan's in junction city and somebody was backing out 
And I don't have a backup camera in my car because it's a 2011 black Nissan Sentra SER. So it doesn't have a backup camera. But whenever I would practice driving with any of my parents' cars that had a backup camera, what I would always do first, I would put the car in reverse and wait like 10 seconds for the camera to come on. Then I'd back out. Mm -hmm. People don't usually do that. So people will put it in reverse and then start backing out before the camera even turns on or before it even activates. Yeah. And somebody tried pulling out like uh, right, like a few cars on my left or to my right. And somebody who was coming by right next to them honked at them. And then, you know, they, they, the other person that was pulling out, like they slammed on their brakes and they started shouting a bunch of like a bunch of derogatory terms, a bunch of like, oh, screw you, screw you, like a bunch of F-bombs at them. And then like, they were like, I saw you because I have a backup camera. And I was like, oh, obviously not because you kept going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then after like, after she left, the, the customer I was helping out, he goes, tell you, man, women are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy enough to have a shootout at a Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah, at a Whole Foods, come on. Like, <laughs> like what I, I want to say what's next and then name a place, but it's probably already happened. So I don't want to. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause it used to be people who just went postal and then, you know, shout out the post office. Now, yeah. now you can't even go buy like organic apples without catching <laughs> a hollow point to the chest. <laughs> so have you had any desire to, um, or have you already tried to do, um, comedy or anything like that? Or do you inject comedy into, into your, your writings and stuff already? So I'll try to inject some comedy. Some people don't get it just because my comedy is either like Shakespeare level comedy or it's like um, kind of present comedy, but it's like illusionary. Um, I'm, so like I read one of Mark Twain's, uh, Mark Twain's The Innocence Abroad. He has a piece of comedy in there. And it says um, the, the narrator, he's going around before the ship sets sail. This book was you know printed in the 1800s. So like late 18, uh, eight, I want to say 1880s, but I'm not quite sure. Seven, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s just whenever it was printed within the past like nine billion years okay and <laughs> at some point they're getting ready to set the ship off and the narrator's like introducing himself he wants people to talk to so you know they don't have phones stuff like that so he, he's talking to people he's introducing himself and every like he goes to like five people and they all say they're the captain of this department of the ship and so he says something like i reckon i won't be able to put like pick up a rock and throw it without hitting a captain of the ship <laughs> like, to me that's humor but i read that to my mom and she says cool okay <laughs> um, but uh, one time i tried making it so I'm like i'm the nerd sibling right i'm the nerd one i tried making a joke one time and my mom looked at me and she goes shut up you're not the funny one <laughs> and oh, I was like okay my bad <laughs> i was like i'm gonna go to my room and cry now thank you um, <laughs> she's like so, get in line nerd <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i haven't i haven't uh full-on tried comedy yet i also have a lot of like stupid humor like i'm dark humor and stupid humor is like right up my alley um a lot of my jokes come directly from my grandpa. And um, like, uh, he, he tells me a lot of stupid jokes. I, I was on the floor. My mom thought I was, there was something wrong with my head. This one time I told a joke because I was on the floor bursting into tears and laughter. I'm not even kidding. And I'm being completely serious. And the joke was, what did Batman say to Robin before Robin got in the car? Oh, God. What? Robin, get in the car. <laughs> 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 so it's just it's just the stupidest stuff like that yeah and so i i feel like if i ever got on a stage and i'm trying to be funny i'd say some stuff like that and then immediately like i'm pelted with tomatoes or bullets if it's st louis missouri right <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the the batman and robin joke is something that you know michael scott would say oh yeah definitely yeah you know what i mean and he yeah. would have the same 
kind of reaction that you did where he would be on the floor laughing and, <laughs> yeah. and all that. But it is, it is interesting as far as comedy and, and humor goes, because it is comedy is kind of circling back towards very dry humor to where you've kind of oh, got yeah. to read between the lines to understand yeah. what the joke is. And, you know, especially with, um, you know the do you actually watch the office or you just like the hood yeah, I, I watch every episode <laughs> okay good. yeah, yeah. so, so i'm a little suspicious yeah <laughs> um yeah so so with that you know sometimes the joke isn't even who's who's talking at the time it's the person making the facial expression in the background you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it's you, you could watch the same episode four or five times in a row but the joke means something different depending on who you're focusing on within yeah. the scene you know but you know, it was just, you know, seven, 10 years ago to where, you know, the, the jokes were, you know, fat jokes or short jokes with, you know, <laughs> Kevin Hart, you know what yeah. I mean? Kevin Hart made a, made a huge living just off of being the short, funny guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Melissa McCarthy, I think her name was, she was just like the fat lady in all of her comedy movies. And yeah. it was always jokes of her trying to run and she can't quite run or jump or anything yeah. like yeah. that. You know, now it's kind of circling back to back around to it being like an intellectual thing you know like the superstitious thing and, and yeah. all that you know finding the finding the joke in between the lines and facial expressions and everything yeah i don't i don't think comedy is one of those things it's like it's it's everlasting i don't think it, it ever ends um i know um a lot a lot of a lot of comedians get in trouble for like the jokes that they make uh especially with like darker humor kind of thing and the, the way i see that especially is there, there's a lot of negativity in the world. There's a lot of it. Like every corner you look, especially if you live in St. Louis, Missouri, I'm just going to keep saying that joke. Right. <laughs> everywhere there's a lot, or Whole Foods now, I guess. Yeah. There's negativity everywhere. Yeah, you so, don't go to a Whole Foods in St. Louis. Good Lord, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wasn't even going to go to Whole Foods. And I like, I, I know uh, next month I'm going to visit my dad again. I think he, want, he says he wants to meet up in St. Louis, Missouri. So I'm going to have to give him a ring right after this and say, dad, I can't go. Right. <laughs> uh, either that or we're gonna have to drop train Africa and start my bad because I don't think they have whole foods there. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's it's something that's never ending. And comedy to me is like a, a lot of comedians also say that their their humor comes from their own dark experiences. Um, like when people say, like, oh, I feel bad because this comedian went through this childhood trauma, and the comedian him or herself will say, like, oh, well, that's why I make a joke out of it, because it takes something horrible that happened and it makes it funny. It doesn't necessarily make it funny per se. Maybe that's the, that's the wrong way to word it. It doesn't necessarily make it funny, but it just sheds some light on something that's just so bad and so negative that it at least like, even if you can make somebody else smile from it, from telling that joke for, for two seconds, it might be worth it to you. Right. Yeah. 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 I was watching a, um, oh man, I forget who it was. It was, I don't know, it was on Facebook or TikTok or something. I don't know. But um, he was saying that he was talking about anxiety leading up to something or anxiety dealing with something. He said, he said, if, if you're having anxiety about something, make a list, write down everything that you're worried about, that you're, you're feeling anxious about, and then go in and mark off all the things that you can't control, the things that you didn't mark yeah. off, see what you could do to control that. And the things that you did mark off, have fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, like if, if the way that you cope with problems is to make jokes, which personally, that's how I deal with things. Oh, make yeah, jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like why? Yeah. Or write a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'll just make a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. The, uh, but yeah, they, so I just personally, I, I find it 
easier to make a joke. And like you said, if you can make somebody laugh, if I can make myself laugh or make my wife or kids laugh when, you know, we're dealing with something like what better way to take your mind off of something that doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist anymore. We just can look at it from a different angle and try to digest it differently. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, excuse me. So do you have like a, a target demographic that you're going after with these or is your books any age can can read it and enjoy it so i like to say it's just a general audience um some of my books like they'll have some strong language in there or they'll be like especially like the slasher books there'll be some gore in there um it all like my mom growing up she didn't really care but like not saying she didn't really care but she was all about specifically not sheltering us from the world and i'm glad she was like that yeah because if i walk outside right now and i go to a whole foods without knowing how the world works we're in trouble yeah big trouble Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah big trouble or st louis missouri for instance so i also overplay a lot of things too so <laughs> um for, for me uh it's it's kind of it's kind of like a wide demographic now of course some people aren't going to like it and from different age groups and some people from age groups are going to like it specifically now when i make a book sale I, i'm not i don't like amazon doesn't show me like the personal information of the person that's a violation of the terms and policies but like sometimes my friends will say like, oh yeah i bought your book or, uh, you know, my, you know, the, my, the friends of my parents will say, like, I bought his books, you know, for my daughter, for my son. So it seems that it's more generalized toward young adult, which I would say is probably, you know, young adult is probably the, the primary demographic for them. Yeah. But all the other demographics don't really chase too far behind. Right, right, right. Yeah. But- except it. Was that by design or is it just kind of you're, you're writing what you're sort of experiencing in, in your world? So it was kind of a little bit of both. Um, I didn't want my books to be pinpointed to a specific audience or a specific location or like a specific anything because I didn't want people outside of that demographic to think like, oh, this isn't really my type of book. Yeah. Um, aside from thinking like looking at the genre or the category and thinking, I don't really read that. I don't really like that. You know, that's fine, but I didn't want people to be excluded from potentially reading them. So it's, it's, it's from that too. And I feel like a lot of the young adult thing too is from probably by design, again, like by design and also from general life experiences. Because um, for, for me, I don't think I fall exactly into the category of like what a lot of people see teenagers as nowadays. Uh, I don't think I fall into that category fully. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily, I, I would definitely say by design overrules or overwhelms kind of my own life experiences, but I'll still also put my life experiences in each of my books. But the funny thing about that is nobody ever finds them out like it, right. it because it, because only I know about it. So if, if I like, if I tell a deep, dark secret through this actually mine from one character through another character, I'll read that and I'll say, oh, that's good stuff. Like that's right. going to, that's going to come out like 9,000 years from now. That's good stuff. <laughs> like somebody reading it is just going to read it by and be like, oh, that's cool. When in reality, it's my deepest, darkest secret. They may never know. They may uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to toy with people like that sometimes. Yeah. Now people are going to be thinking every, every other sentence <laughs> that they read, they're going to be thinking like, ah, oh, is this him? Is this, is this something that he did himself? Dude, damn. I knew he crashed a Titanic. Like, <laughs> <stuff like> that. <laughs> that's amazing, man. All right. Well, um, let everybody know where they can find your books and what they could do to help support your endeavors. Um, so all my books right now are available through amazon.com. Um, right now I'm preparing to kind of release more hard covers. Audiobooks are probably coming early to 2022. Hopefully when I move on, it's actually quiet. 
Um, <laughs> right now I've got eBooks and paperbacks for all five of my books. I'm releasing my sixth book in about two weeks. Again, if you search up Bryson Taylor, B-R-Y-S-E-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or if you want to put in my middle name, Malachi, M-A-L-A-K-A-I, um, you'll be able to find my books on Amazon if you just type that in through the app or the website. I think the eBooks have to be purchased through the website, but I'm not exactly sure. But the paperbacks and the hardcovers can be purchased through the app. I know that one. Um, okay. But they can all be purchased through Amazon. Uh, if you look up my name on the internet, you might find me in a mugshot. It's not me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, just, just for safety purposes, not me. I didn't do anything. Not me. Um, but you might you that might take you to my Amazon page or like my blog, but I'm not like my writer's or my author's website, but I'm not quite sure. If you look up Bryson Taylor books with like no spaces, it'll probably take you to my website, which then you can find like links to Amazon. But if you search the name of any of my books in the Amazon search list, you'll probably find it too. If you only want like a specific book, or if you find that book, um, if you go to the purchase page of that book, if you click my name, it'll take you to all of them. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put all those links for Amazon and your website and stuff. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes so that people could just go in real quick and okay. easy, click on it, go in and order that good stuff. Are you doing awesome. any autograph copies or anything like that at this time um, or is maybe in the future? So Amazon ships everything automatically. So I'm not really doing autograph copies yet. Um, whenever, like um, maybe sometime in 2022, you know, 2023, you know, years where I'm, you know, moved out and I'm kind of pumping out books left and right. Um, I'm thinking I'll, I'll do some autographed events there. I really, I really enjoy kind of going around and driving around, driving around the country, stuff like that. So I can definitely see myself in the near future, you know, going to like, you know, maybe even every state and doing, you know, a, a, a signing in every state. Yeah. Uh, right now, I wouldn't really want to do that because I'm kind of tinier right now. But especially if, you know, when I continue to grow, I definitely look into doing some signings and autograph copies, except the, the, the copies that I autograph just be careful because I am very smart with it. Um, like my mom, she wanted me to sign Dark Hearts 1 Dead Light and Dark Hearts 2 Rising Demons. And uh, for Dark Hearts 1, I signed it. Um, it is a rule for us authors that you cannot purchase book one and not purchase book two. So purchase book two. Um, for My Dark Tragedies, book one, Haunted Pass, I signed. This is my most complex book yet. It has a lot of uh, difficult to understand subplots. So good luck. With the, re with the reoccurring, I think I signed it. Keep buying my books because I want that money though. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that so I'm, I'm just i'm smart with it like that it's <laughs> signed daffy duck <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i i think people are going to be um i think people are going to be real interested in autograph copies in the future i think you're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the very <laughs> near future if you keep pumping out material the way that you are i, I yeah. think you're going to give some people a run for their money well well hopefully except i mean i'd already have it no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so, ex except uh, one, one thing I would do is if I'm going to do a book signing, if it's in St. Louis, Missouri, I mean, I'm probably going to take some armor. If, yeah. it, if it's, I'm never going to make it at any Whole Foods. And thank you for letting me know about Whole Foods because I mean, my you're mom's going to tell her not to. <laughs> you're just going to have to go on like one of those, um, one of those uh, SWAT team bomb suits. <laughs> you look like the juggernaut from, uh, from Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of, Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, like wave five of the survival mode when those two juggernauts come down from the airplanes, like full on, except one will have like a gun and the other, I'll just take my helmet off and be like, you want my books? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's be yeah. Call of Duty Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. I, I really do. All right. Well, thank you for having me too. It was great talking to you. Yep. Have a good one, man. Oh yeah, you too. All right, bye. Bye-bye.